In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Orlando Magic, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Let's talk sports. Let's talk Orlando Magic sports right now. What's the delay? The Magic were shithouse, but they were shithouse in the right way. They said, we're not getting anywhere with Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon, so let's piss them off. And that's exactly what they did. They got back some pretty decent hauls in that, especially the one for Vuce from the Bulls, which uh, could turn into a couple of nice top 10 picks this season. Getting first-round picks from the Nuggets for Gordon, plus a nice prospect in RJ Hampton. The Fournier stuff, not much there, but you know they weren't going to pay him in the offseason anyway. So they made the right moves, I think. It's going to be painful. But this is a season when they had two of their young core players, Markel Fultz and John Isaac, out for the year. So you know, that's the right time to do that sort of tanking. Um, and then you try to build around a pick whatever's coming up in this draft, the top two, yeah, two, two top 10 picks potentially. You got Fultz and Isaac and then Cole Anthony and Trimmer Kiki and those sort of players and build build out around those. Because then, of course, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba. There's some young players in this team who are interesting. 21 and 51, they were last year. They were actually, they outperformed their point differential significantly. They were an expected 17-win team. So actually could have been much worse than what they were. 29th on offense and 26th on defense. Yeah, pretty shit on both ends there. 17th in pace, so middle of the road. And they can have pick three, where they sit at the moment. Pick eight, which is the Bulls pick. But if that pick goes into the lottery, Chicago will keep that pick. Now, that that's still... They won that three-way tiebreaker today. Could have been at 10, but they moved up to, to eight. So that actually really, really works in their favor. So they either lose the pick or they get it at eight or it could push back out to uh, to 11 if uh, you know four teams behind them jump ahead in the lottery. But still some really, really solid picks coming. And then they've got pick 33 in the first round. They have, according to Tankathon, the best draft hand in the league at the moment with those two top potential top eight picks coming plus a high value second round pick. The other things that they were, it is hard to judge so much of their season just because so much, so many of their good players were out. Yeah, their best player is probably John Isaac now. And then Markel Fultz was out. That is really hard to evaluate. They were quite good in terms of turning the ball over. They didn't really turn the ball over much at all, but their shooting was horrendous. Last in the league in effective field goal percentage. That's obviously pretty terrible. Um, and they let their opponents get a pretty high effective field goal percentage. They also were pretty poor at uh, turning the ball over in terms of, they, they were great in terms of they didn't turn the ball over, but their opponents, they just didn't generate turnovers from those guys. So so obviously some things to work on, but one of the things you look at, the major thing they need is who is the scorer? Who is their go-to sort of player? And yeah, I don't really know what the answer to that is. It's not Isaac, it's not a Kiki. Is it Fultz? Is it Cole Anthony? I don't think they're the guys that you want to rely upon to be that sort of player. 
In terms of upcoming free agency, Otto Porter played just three games in 66 minutes for them this year after coming across in the Nikola Vucevic trade. He's an unrestricted free agent. I don't know what the hell offers are going to be out there for Otto Porter. There's a chance that he just comes back to Orlando. They didn't. They barely played him. He had that foot injury, and he's consistently been injured. And with Isaac and Akiki holding down the three and the four most likely, Porter would just be in a bench role. So his time of ever being a fantasy-relevant player if he stays in Orlando, I think, is done. And I'm not really sure we can rely on Otto Porter or anywhere he goes, to be honest to have that value, but losing yeah, potentially him and James Ennis off the wing, again, you're going to be getting a guy like Isaac back and maybe a first-round pick or two first-round picks at that position. That can uh, that can be dealt with. Chase and Randall played a role down the end of the year. He won't play a role at any point in the future, so nothing to worry about there. While Flaming Mo Wagner and Iggy Brazdakis, the guys that took all of those power forward minutes at the end of the year, they're both restricted free agents. They showed little bits and pieces but nothing that's make, making you think that they are, they are any part of the future on this team. I think there's still something to see maybe from Brezdakis, but Wagner was on, what, three teams this year? He was on, he started on the Wizards, he went to the Celtics, and then he uh, ended up here getting waived and going to Orlando. Uh, was he on Chicago as well at one point? He might have been. Um, just a, a lot of a lot of weird stuff with uh, with Wagner. So I'm not really sure that he has any sort of significant value as we move forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back. Brzezakis is an interesting one, but again, just barely played. In fact, how much did he actually end up playing on this team? 234 minutes in eight games. He had a positive on-off, which is a positive net rating, sorry, of plus 3.4, um, which, uh, you know, was pretty solid considering some of the other guys on this team and their, some of their poor numbers. But that is their free agency situation. They won't be making any sort of splash in free agency coming up this offseason. The big one, I guess, is the decision they just have to make on Otto Porter, whether they bring him back for wing depth, because their wing depth isn't particularly good behind Okiki and Isaac. And how much can we actually trust John Isaac at this stage? Guys, Locker Room is the uh, the app. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA. Talk about the playoffs. Get in. There'll be some live watch shows in there as well. Plus, a lot of our Locked On hosts are on there. So if you want to hear about your team, you can get in to a live Locked On uh, Locker Room show. Go download that free Locker Room app now. It's available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know there'll be tons of incredible stuff for you guys to find over on Locker Room, so download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Okay, let's talk individual players now for the Magic, and let's start with Terrence Ross, who played 46 games, 29 minutes a game, and amazingly, he was the highest-ranked player for this team for Fantasy Leagues. Yes, Vooch was great, but he didn't end the season on this team. Fournier put in a good year, but didn't end the, team, the season on this team. 120th ranked player was their best fantasy guy, and that's Terrence Ross. 46 games, 29 minutes. He averaged almost 16 points with two threes. Um, he doesn't do huge amounts else apart from score and hit some threes. One steal is all right. 87 from the line is all right on lowish volume. Hit 34% of his threes. He averaged 26 fantasy points, 114th there. The best category was his free throws, and the worst was his field goal percentage. He was just like, all right, a true shooting of 54%. Hit his threes at an okay level, but what the hell is Terrence Ross's role, who amazingly is 30 yeah, on this team as we move forward? I, I don't really know. 
Like, where, where does he fit? Back up two? Who's their starting two next year? Can he beat off the challenge that is Dwayne Bacon? I, I think that Ross, we look at him as this guy, again, age 30. He shouldn't be on this team past the offseason. I think he will be, but he shouldn't be. Um, we'll see what Orlando does. They they made a lot of moves that we thought there was doubts that they would do, but they did do that. But he's still got two years, $23 million left, you know, $12 million a year for the next two years. So trading him away can be a little bit tough. Now, the, the contract does decline for him, 12.5, then 11.5. But he is a uh, a player that does have some um, limitations, especially defensively. And those, are, and this is a quick aside. Plenty of you asking, Josh, what's Raptor? What's uh, what's LeBron? Raptor is an all-in-one basketball statistic developed by Five Thirty Eight. Just type into Google Five Thirty Eight Raptor, and there's a whole massive ass article explaining how it's derived and how the number comes apart. Basically, it's it's a advanced on-off sort of number. So if you're a negative, you're considered like a negative impact player. Um, Ross was a negative 1.7. There's an offensive, there's a defensive component, there's an on-off component, there's a box score component, and then it's all added together. LeBron is another all-in-one basketball metric developed by Basketball Index. Again, it's developed into or split into an offensive and defensive portion all combined into LeBron. There's a wins added function there as well. Obviously, positive is better than negative over there on on, uh, on the LeBron number. But a lot, along with EPM and Raptor, they're probably the three most trustworthy publicly available all-in-one metrics at the moment. And Ross's uh, LeBron number, negative 1.41, wasn't great. His uh, Raptor at negative 1.7 also wasn't great. So I, I don't really see any sort of long-term fantasy future for Terrence Ross. Let's look at Wendell Carter Jr. He played 54 games, 26 minutes. Average 27 fantasy points. That's 107th in points leagues, but 144th in category leagues is pretty disappointing for a guy that had an ADP of 86. I thought 30 minutes a night, lock it in. We'll see him start to pass the ball more. He'll start to hit his threes more. He just feels completely broken. He's only 22, so he's still really young. He averaged 11 and 8 with 0.33s on 29% shooting, just 1.9 assists. The blocks were down at 0.8. The steals were down at 0.6. 50 and 73 is his shooting numbers. I still really think that he can be solid. I just think that his confidence is done. It's shot. And we just aren't seeing what he can be, I think is the best way of phrasing that. 57 true shooting is all right. Again, his assist rate did double from last year. So that's a real step in the right direction. It's where it needs to be. But block rate has come down since his rookie season. We'd like that to go back up. He was almost 5% as a rookie. It's down to 2.7. That's what we'd like to come down. And the three-point is, while they've improved, they went from 19 to 21 to 29. They're still not where they need to be. They can be 33, 34, 35 pretty easily. I still think Carter is, to me, by far the Magic's best center. He should be playing 30 minutes a night every night. But I have no idea whether they buy into that. So I won't be getting sucked into Wendell Carter as an uh, as a draft player next year, maybe as a last pick. And I'd be happy with that because if he plays 30 minutes a night, I think he can be a top 60, 60 guy, absolute best case scenario. But, you know, but in the past, I would have said there's a 75% chance of him reaching a top 50 sort of player. Now I'd say there's a 20% chance of that because I worry about his confidence I worry about the passing, the shooting, and I worry about the fact that he just will never play enough minutes to get there. All those things can come together really easily 
Like they, there's, it's not, you don't have to squint very hard to see shit. Wendell Carter playing 32 minutes a night, being a positive force. And now they're using his passing and the shot goes down. Like that's not hard to envisage at all. It's not like me saying, I see Evan Fournier as a massive rim protector from now on. Like that's, you can't, that's impossible. Can't see that. It's not like I'm going to, I'm squinting to say Dwayne Bacon's going to be an efficient all round contributor. Like that's impossible. But with Wendell, like it, it is, it's something that can happen. Um, but yeah, I'm not putting my faith in it at this point. There's just too many down downsides to what Wendell, uh, where, where he is at the moment. His best category is his rebounds. His worst category was his three-point shooting. Let's look at Cole Anthony, who was forced into a much larger role than, we, than expected after Markel Fultz went down after eight games. And then Anthony had his own injury issues where he suffered that uh, rib fracture or rib cartilage concern that he did have. And yeah, that probably yeah, put a, I don't know if the, the right word is put a hold or put a put a, uh, a pause on his development. He did come back in April and played okay. But the overall numbers are a little bit disappointing when you look at the actual playing time that Cole got. He was the, he averaged 26 fantasy points, 125th, which is fine. He was 177th in category leagues. His best category was his 83 free throws, but he shot under 40% from the field. And that's the big worry. But I guess we look at that and say, well, over the last, and when he came back from that rib injury, he did start to shoot 42%, which included 35% from three. And he hit 42% from deep over his last 13 games. So a real step up, which is what you want to see from a rookie. I do expect uh, his true shooting was under 50%. I expect him to be a 54-55 true shooting guy next year. But the thing we also have to watch is those last that last month, he had his usage up at 28% with so many guys going out. Now, of course, Gordon, Vooch, Fournier, they're not returning. But Isaac will get some shots. Fultz will get some shots. Plus, two top 10 draft picks will come in. And you'd hope one of those is at least a high usage player who's going to take some shots. But what the hell is Cole Anthony's role going to be? Assist-wise, he was all right. 25% assist with 15% turnover percentage. Like That's really, really good. You have to be pretty happy with uh, with that sort of assist-to-turnover ratio as a rookie in particular. A 1.8 assist-to-turnover is not bad. And he averaged 13, 5, and 4. The problem I guess you have there is the low volume threes, the low field goal percentage, and the very low steals numbers, 0.6 steals. They are obviously not great numbers. His negative five on off is pretty disappointing as well. His negative five Raptor is pretty disappointing. His negative 2.3 LeBron is pretty disappointing. Um, but he's a rookie. So we give him some level of pass on a lot of those numbers. But fitting in with Fultz is tough. I do think that they can play together and do it pretty comfortably. And when you look at the shooting guard depth chart, they won't start Terrence Ross. Dwayne Bacon's shitful. But do they bring in another guard? That's a, and and, and let's try, RJ Hampton's there. So is it Anthony or is it Fultz that they commit to as their starting point guard? I assume Fultz will be ready to go at the start of next season. Again, he tore it at the start of January. So uh, an October return is not out of the question, but I would say that may, maybe Mark, Markel plays off the bench for the first month or so. And then if Cole succeeds, then maybe he doesn't get it back. At this point, I would be putting on my money in terms of best fantasy season to go to Cole Anthony rather than Markel Fultz, even if I do think Fultz is still the better player. Um, I just think that maybe that level 
that Anthony showed that he could go to without shooting and some of the playmaking stuff that he showed um, and the fact that Fultz might still be rehabbing at the beginning of the year gives Anthony that level of edge. Let's talk Fultz, who only played the eight games, only played 27 minutes, which is pretty frustrating because we saw, well, I thought, well, okay, we just play 30 minutes a night here as the established starting point guard. And the 27 minutes is a little bit frustrating. Um, he had some moments where I thought he played well. He averaged 13 points, five and a half assists, 0.9 steals, but shooting again was poor. 25% from three, 39 from the field. He hit 90% from the line. And if we know Marco Fultz, we know that that sort of shooting has always been an issue for him, free throws especially. Um, but he didn't hit free throws. So didn't hit threes, which has been a concern from him uh, over his career. I guess the thing we look at and go that the minutes numbers are skewed by the fact that one of his eight games was four minutes, but he played 31, 35, 32, 31 in four of those seven games prior to that. So he was getting some decent minutes. He had two 20-point scoring games. He had a double-double. He had some good shooting games, but the last four before his injury were bad. The shooting had dropped way off. But I still think that he was flashing enough to make me think that if he didn't have the knee injury, it could have been a good season ahead for Markel. The problem is he did have the knee injury, and now we've got a guy like Cole Anthony who I wouldn't say has established himself, but has shown that he can be a quite useful um, NBA starting point guard at the very least or can develop into one. Very hard to look at Fultz's advanced numbers and glean anything from them considering he barely played. But I'm a little bit worried about where, where we go here for Fultz. The encouraging thing is the free throws for sure. The field goal percentage was rough. Um, the assist remained solid. The scoring was all right. The usage was well up this season. And it could be a real big usage season if he comes back in great shape. But there are a lot of concerns. And I think he might play off the ball a little bit more. Hampton's going to push for minutes. Top five draft pick, top eight draft pick might push for some minutes. I think it might be a rough year for Fultz. And I think it might have the... Now, I'm not saying this for sure. He's only 23. But could it be the season that puts that pause on the growth in his career and maybe limits him? I, I do worry about that. I'm not bailing on him for sure. And I do think that after an ACL, there is some buy-low potential in a dynasty league. But I am a little bit worried that maybe Cole Anthony is actually the better player here. I don't think that's an outrageous statement. Guys, Bilpa is the best tasting protein bar ever. That's not an outrageous statement at all. There are nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. And um, what's your favorite? That's the big question. Is it raspberry? Is it double chocolate? Is it salted caramel? Is it coconut? If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, you can get a mixed box, which is 18 bars, all nine flavors, two of each flavor. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein with just 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with four grams of net carbs. So... Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get yourself these healthy, delicious tasting protein bars. And with LOCKED15, you get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. 
baseball season, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, they are all in full swing, and you can track all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC action. Before that next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and use our promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's go on to the next game now, or the next team now. Sorry, I'm in uh, regular season mode. It is Chuma Akiki, who I was frustrated with how he was used early in the season when they were playing absolute shit muffins like Alfru Kaminu ahead of him. No offense to the Chief, but there is no reason in any world that Steve Clifford should have played him ahead of him. Uh, But then we saw Akiki move into that starting lineup when the front office just said, Steve, stop playing this bloke and traded him away along with Aaron Gordon. And then Akiki played and he played amazingly well. Now there was some drop off after that little burst that he had, but over the last 17 games, he was the 81st ranked fantasy player. Let's look at his overall body of work, 45 games, 25 minutes, almost 20 fantasy points, which is 211th, 188th in category leagues. His best category was his steals. His worst was his scoring. But in that last 17 games, the last two months, 13 points in 31 minutes, 1.6 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks, one and a half threes, five boards, three assists, 43 and 83. Really impressive to see him improve his free throw percentage. The true shooting went up to, was a 51.3. Still not great. But I look at this and go, there was that little stretch that after those guys got traded and he started, he went 22, 6 and 4, 14, 6 and 3, 18, 4 and 2 with three steals, 8 and 10, 16 and 5, 19, 7, 5 and 2. Like big numbers. And then things started to drop off and that, yeah, you know, that shooting and that insanely high usage for his standards uh, did start to come back to earth. But he's still, even like his season ended abruptly. His last two games before the end of the year, 18-5 and 2, two steals. 18-3 three and 3, three steals and two blocks. Really good. Where does he fit on this team with John Isaac? I would say, I would argue pretty vociferously that both Isaac and Akiki's best position is at power forward. Now, Isaac can play... Actually, Isaac's best position might be center, to be honest. Isaac can play the three. Akiki can play the three. But Truma was significantly better playing at the four versus when he had to play at the um, at the three. But one of only two Magic players to have a positive Raptor, 0.4. And the only other guy there was Dante Hall, who barely played. Defensively, he was very impressive. His... Um, LeBron wasn't quite as good, negative 1.19. True shooting was only 51%. 35% on threes is, is pretty good. Passing needs some work, but defensively, I think he's really good. And he's uh, one of those guys who's a good defender who generates pretty good defensive stats. And there's another guy on this team who I'm not going to really talk about today too much, and that's John Isaac. We'll talk about that in the question segment later on, that he's quite good at getting those stats as well. Obviously, the Magic should be prioritizing the development of Akiki and Isaac next year, but if they are in the position where they draft a small forward or a power forward, I don't think Akiki's the guy where you go, well, nah, we've got that position sorted. Jonathan Kaminga, you don't get a look in, uh, and you probably won't get a look in because Steve Clifford's the coach, but the front office shouldn't be looking at it that way. So while I was impressed by Akiki's season, he is 23. He's only a couple of months younger than Mark Fultz. So he's not particularly young. It was his first year after missing his first, full first full season with an ACL. But 23 is not young. He showed some flashes. He showed some improvements. Defensively, I think he's already pretty good. It's does he get anywhere offensively? And, and I'm not sure. I know that he's worse than John Isaac, in my opinion, as a player. 
I think there's way higher upside in Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton. So while I'm impressed by him, it it could, and I really like him as a player, I'd be gauging dynasty trade interest. Isaac, two top eight picks, could have an impact on where he fits. And does maybe he just tops out as an Al-Faruqaminu type player. I think that's a distinct possibility. Let's talk about Otto Porter Jr. 28 games, 22 minutes. I don't know what the hell to make of this guy anymore. He averaged 10 and 5, 1 and a half threes, shot 43 and 86, including 38% from three. He had 0.6 steals. I really thought that in Chicago, he was going to come in. Remember, after his trade from the Wizards last year, he came in and he played amazingly for the Bulls. And I thought, all right, Otto Porter will start. He'll put up good numbers and we'll be pretty happy with it. But no, it just it didn't happen. He was injured again. He's 28 years of age. He's an unrestricted free agent. And I just don't know if he can ever be a starting caliber player again. I'm not completely not completely ruling that out. Um Sorry, that year when he came across from Wizard was two years ago, but last year he barely played again from injuries and was coming off the bench with weird minutes restrictions. He's a guy that's had multiple top 80 seasons, multiple top 50 seasons as a fantasy player with high steals, high field goals, good threes, solid scoring. But the efficiency has disappeared. The free throws aren't that great anymore. The steals aren't there anymore. The level of play is not there anymore. I think our patience with Otto Porter being a good NBA player and a good fantasy player should be done. He averaged 20 and a half fantasy points, 199th. He was 217th in category leagues. His best category was that 86 from the line, but he averaged an under, under 10 points per game. Um, he was a staggering plus 19.8 in the 66 minutes that he played on off. Not that that means anything because it's such a small sample size. But yeah, the Raptor at minus 0.3, or 1.3 was actually one of the best on this team. Um, and and I think we have to be rightfully concerned about where he, where his career goes from here. The Magic could easily bring him back again. Who the hell is their three? It is probably Isaac or Akiki. It's not Ennis. It's not Bacon. A lot up in the air. I think the draft will really give us more of an indication of what the hell happens with this position. But they have, you know, who's going to pay Otto Porter? No one. And maybe he just wants, maybe he just likes coming back to Orlando and he'll come back for a really low salary. I would not expect much more than like a $5 million contract for Otto Porter wherever he ends up, which is a shame. One, two, three, four, five. Mo Bamba just turned 23. He played 46 games, 16 minutes a night only. Averaged under 20 fantasy points per game, which was 209th. He was a 220th ranked category player, despite somehow having an ADP of 120. His best category was his blocks. His worst category was his steals. Does that tell the whole story for Mo Bamba? No. Over the last month, when the minutes went up, remember, he was the third string center behind Nikola Vucevic and Ken Birch for lots of the season. He was the third string center when Wendell Carter came along behind Carter and Birch. And then they waved Birch. He moved into the backup role. Um, and then Carter got injured down the stretch and we saw Bamba's minutes push up. There is absolutely no denying whatsoever that Mo Bamba is a very good fantasy player. Last 11 games, 11 and 9, two blocks, 0.93, 67th ranked player. And that's while shooting 26% from three. 
But as something I say all the time, the theory of Mo Bamba as a real NBA player is a lot better, I think, than the reality. Stretch big who protects the rim. Yeah, he protects the rim. That's fine. But shot 32% on his threes. Defensively, has some massive issues still, despite being a good rim protector. His um, advanced stats aren't particularly great. A negative in Raptor, negative 1.7, overall negative 3.4. That's pretty bad. That's really bad, in fact. His LeBron was a positive, though. So that, again, that's just differences in those metrics. But I don't know, man. He just He just didn't play very much. And that's just been the course of his career. Hasn't had a thousand minutes in a season yet. Had 725 this year. Will they continue to split the minutes between him and Carter at center? Carter is the better player, in my opinion. But Bumba is the better fantasy guy on a permitted basis. But Bumba was like one of the worst in this team in on-off, negative 5.6. The team just continually sucked when he was on the court, despite putting up good fantasy numbers. And that, that's the disconnect. As we look at it and we go, shit, he's really, he really can be great from a fantasy perspective. But can he actually get enough minutes to be useful? 24 minutes is all he needs. And that, that could be a legitimate possibility for him next year. That's a top 100 player very easily. Top 80 player probably, very easily. What if they draft Evan Mobley? I think Bumba's cooked. I don't think he's got any hope of being a, a rotation player. It'll just be Carter and Mobley. What if Carter comes in and plays you know, really well, which he can? And he is a better player, I think, again, than Bumba. I, I just don't, I don't know. Bumba's also a year older than Carter, despite being drafted in the same draft. That, that's worth noting as well. I just don't have huge faith in him. Could he absolutely blow up? They give him a 30-minute a night role for some reason, and he is a top 30 fantasy player. Like Easily, very easily. Would I see that lasting more than three years? No way, because I just don't think that he's good enough. The theory of this big shooting, shot-blocking guy, great defender, is all well and good. But your true shooting's under 56%. You can't hit your twos at all. Your free throws are bad. And you're a bad defender. The shot blocks, yeah, sure. Rebounding, no worries. That was pretty good. It improved this year. I just, I don't know. I don't know about Bumba. I'm st- I'm not convinced. It's been three years. And I just don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I don't know where he goes because I know that Steve Clifford does not feel particularly good about this guy. But how long's Clifford the coach of this squad? Can Bumba finally blow up? I, I, if I had him in Dynasty, I would hold because I know that that upside is there. But I'm not really confident at all. Let's talk about Jimmy Ennis. 41 games, 24 minutes per game. Um, nothing particularly good about Ennis, I wouldn't have thought. Eight points, one three, four rebounds, 47 and 81. His best category was his free throws. His worst was his scoring. He averaged 18 fantasy points. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's almost 31 years of age. Whatever team he goes to, he'll play a solid enough role, but he'll have absolutely no impact on fantasy at all. He was an absolute neutral in Raptor, which for this team is actually really, really good. He just is a solid NBA player who offers nothing for fantasy. And whether he's back on this team or he goes to a better team to be a ninth or 10th man wing rotation player, I think he gets undervalued a lot as a three-point shooting 
defensive wing player. There's a lot of value in a guy like that. But he doesn't seem to get valued that much around the league. Let's talk Carter Williams. Only 31 games for Mickey, 26 minutes. And look at the discrepancy between his category league rank and his points league. 163rd in points leagues, averaging 22 points. 282nd in category leagues. His best category was his four assists. His worst was his 61 free throws. And that's why he's so bad. 61 from the line, 39 from the field. That's a true shooting of 44.9%. Horrendous. The four and a half rebounds, the 4.1 assists, the 0.8 steals, they're all really, really solid numbers. He had a negative 0.8 Raptor, and he defends at a really high level. Just offensively, if you just have to separate those parts of his game, he's unplayable offensively. He is terrible. The passing is fine, but he cannot shoot, and he gums up everything that happens out there. But in saying all of that, in his 800 minutes, he was a plus 8.1 on off. Ennis was a plus 7.6, by the way, in his 986 minutes. So Carter Williams yeah, makes things happen, but offensively, the shooting is just such a real negative that you just worry about how much you can actually play him. And with Hampton, Anthony, Fultz, maybe another guard, what's his role? He's not. He had to play point guard this year. He's not really a point guard. He's more of a two and three, and just another one of those weird guys that gets thrown into that mix along with the guy that we're going to talk about next, and that is Gary Harris. Nice, Gary! 39 games, 28 minutes, shithouse from fantasy perspective, 17 fantasy points, 257th in points leagues, 290th in category leagues. His best category was his 82% from the line. His worst was his two rebounds. He averaged 10 points in 28 minutes, and some of that's in Denver, some of that's in Orlando. 1.23s, two rebounds, two assists, 0.7 steals. And this is a guy that used to get by on having you know 1.8 steals and 50% from the field. And instead, he's at 0.7 steals and 40% from the field. 34% from three, he just cannot shoot anymore. That's three or four years in a row where the shooting is gone. And I think we just have to look at it and go, the shooting is gone. Like that's just where we're at with him. The minutes pushed way down in Orlando versus where they were in Denver. Um, negative 2.6 Raptor is not ideal. The LeBron number from him was pretty poor as well. But, you know, where what is he? What is he, is he as a player anymore? Again, just another name to throw with Anthony, Fultz, Carter Williams, Bacon, Hampton, top five pick. Where does he fit? He's still got years left on his contract. He's still got, uh, what's he got? Uh, One year at 20 and a half million. So he's not getting traded. No one wants him for 20 million. So he's going to be around at that salary for one more year. And... A quick question. How old is Gary Harris? I know the answer, but I want you to guess. He's 26 and a half. What the hell? He is not even in his prime, yet his prime ended four years ago somehow. I don't know how any... I know he's had a lot of injury problems, but he his fall, his fall has been horrible. He was great in 2018 at age 23, and then he's just regressed. Like, massively regressed. Is there any hope for Harris to get back to being that guy that was a top 50 fantasy guy on high field goal percentage with high steals and high threes? I would have to say no. Can he improve from where he is? Yeah, he can. But this minutes mix is so frustrating and confusing for Orlando that I don't know where to place it. Let's talk about Flaming Mo Wagner. 16 minutes a game, 45 games. He averaged 15 Yahoo points per game. He was 293rd in categories, 314th in points leagues. His best category was his free throws. His worst was his scoring. He hit 0.73s per game at 
I don't really know. Look, he started at power forward for this team. He's a center more than anything. He was a negative 12.9 on off, which is, kids, cover your ears. Like, fucking horrendous. Like, that is a bad, bad number. I know the team was terrible, but you are, you need to do better than that, Flaming Mo. Um, I thought he had moments when he was in Washington of some decent level of play. Orlando, maybe not. I just don't know where Wagner sits as a player. Um, not a guy I was particularly high on coming out of college. He's 24 already. He's bounced around already. To his, we started with, what, with the Lakers, Wizards, Celtics, Magic. He's been all around the joint. Um, yeah, and I am, I just, I don't really know what to make of Wagner from a uh, future perspective. Again, he should not be high on their priority list whatsoever. True shooting 58 is pretty good. Like that's obviously good, but yeah, twenty four percent on his mid range twos is a horrendous number. Fifty nine at the rim for a big man is a pretty horrendous number as well. Um, so what? What's he actually? Look, he's supposed to be a good shooter, but what else is he? We we haven't even seen him being a good shooter yet. So I don't have much faith in Wagner. Let's go on to Dante Hall. Thirteen games, fourteen minutes a night. I don't think there's anything to really see here with Dante Hall. He's going to turn 24 soon. The 71% field goals is obviously excellent. He had some really impressive on-off stuff, or sorry, some really impressive advanced metric stuff. 2.5 Raptor with really good defensive numbers. 0.39 LeBron with, again, good defensive numbers. Nice power forward type player, but Isaac, Akiki, these are the guys that play their position. Carter, Bumba, they're the guys who play center. Where does Hall fit in? I think they'd like to keep him around just to see, I guess, what he can um, what he can provide. But I don't think we should have much faith in him at all. <sighs> One of the only 11 blokes in the NBA to play 11, all 72 games this year, and that is the Shart Dwayne Bacon. He played 26 minutes a night, yet was the 240th ranked player in points leagues and 328th in category leagues. He is one of the worst players in the entire NBA. He had a negative 4.6 Raptor. Horrendous. Um, His LeBron was negative 3.95, one of the worst numbers in the entire NBA. He averaged 10 points in 26 minutes, three rebounds, one assist, 0.8 threes, 0.6 deals. He played plenty. He just can't do anything. 29% shooting. From three, 45 from two, 49 true shooting. Why does he get so many minutes? The obsession that Steve Clifford has has with Bacon is ludicrous. This dude should not be in an NBA rotation. He's got 1.8 million guaranteed for next year. They should just cut him. There's no reason to have him around at all because Clifford will just play him too much. He is actually bad, like really bad. Let's look at Chase and Randall, 41 minutes, 41 games, 20 minutes a game, uh, 13 fantasy points, not really anything worth talking about there. He signed mid-season when Fultz went down, but Fultz, Anthony, maybe another guard coming in, Carter Williams, Harris, these sort of guys around, he's not going to be a priority, 28 years of age. We're going to fly through these guys because the guy we haven't talked about that I know you want to hear about, we'll get to him in a sec. Iggy Brazdakis, 13 games, 19 minutes, he averaged 14 fantasy points, he was outside the top 360 for his uh, category league, seven points per game, 42 and 71. Yeah, Brisdakis showed some flashes towards the end of the season, but I'm not going to get worked up about those sort of numbers or what he was able to do during that time because, again, it was just such a weird time of the year. And Iggy showed some moments in the G League as well. I would much prefer to see what he can do, age 22, 
versus a Mo Wagner. Maybe even a Dante Hall, although I think Hall might be better. But there's something there. Now, let, but let's talk about the guy that we want to get to, and this podcast has gone forever. 51 games played for RJ Hampton. His category rank was shithouse. 368th. He was averaging under 15 fantasy points per game. He shot 44% from the field, and that was, amazingly, his best fantasy category. That shows you how bad things were. But he showed some flashes. Now, before we get excited about these flashes, let's look at the last month of the season where RJ Hampton played 28 minutes a night. A decent enough sample. Have a guess as to where he ranked. 208th. It's real Dwayne Bacon energy there. 13 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. That's got the makings of something, for sure. There's something there. 0.3 steals? Yuck. 0.3 blocks? Yuck. 45 from the field? Yuck. 69 from the line? Giggity. Nice, but yuck. 38 from 3? Now we're talking. 53 true shooting? They're getting better. So while I can say all this and say he was actually shithouse in terms of advanced metrics, um, in terms of his fantasy value, into overall fantasy value, like negative 6.9 Raptor is not a good number. Negative 3.13 LeBron is a bad number. There was enough there for me to go, all right, I can see it here with Hampton. He's 20 years of age. An Anthony Fultz Hampton trio, maybe it's just an Anthony Hampton trio, I think is something. I think RJ is a top 100 prospect who might have a top 70 season at some point. The shooting is the worry. The poor free throws, the subpar field goals, and the complete lack of defense is a concern. But he showed an ability to play point guard, which is unbelievable, but on a team that's got Anthony and Fultz, I don't know how, what, that, what that means long-term. I'm investing in RJ Hampton. I really like him as, even if it's as a sixth man moving forward, 28-minute-a-night sixth man player, there's enough there as a ball handler, scorer, Maybe as a shooter. Defensively, I'm not quite sold on it. But there was enough there for me to get interested. So really good end to the year for Hampton, even though it didn't reflect in those fantasy numbers. And the last guy we look at is Sindarius Thornwell. 21 games played, 10 minutes. He averaged six fantasy points per game. A guy that I liked for the Clippers a while ago, but he's 26. I reckon he's done, and I reckon we're done in terms of looking at those players. But we do have questions from you guys. So let's go in. And answer those questions. I ask those on Twitter. I answer I answer them or ask them, sorry, on Instagram. So let's have a look at some Instagram questions. Um, SpudWeb04 says, is RJ Hampton a dynasty stud? Just talked about him, obviously. Is he a stud? No. Has he got some real upside? Yes, but there is some holes in his fantasy game that probably keeps him from being an absolute top-level stud. Um, here's one of these questions. Um, Paulini Chocolati, who's going to be, who's going to be good next season? <laughs> Mate, kids, ears, fucked if I know, but he asked me about John Isaac and that's where we need to get in here because obviously we didn't see John Isaac at all this year with that knee injury. Will he be ready to go next season at the beginning of the year? You would assume so, but this is multiple knee injuries that Isaac has had. Now, when he plays, he is absolutely... Look, he was a 32nd ranked player last year in 29 minutes. Can very easily be a top 20 player. And he did this averaging 12 points. Best case scenario for Isaac, 15, 8, 
Two steals, two blocks, 50 and 80, hitting 1.53s. That is a top 20 player, no matter how you slice it. But can he? Can we trust his knees at all? If I've got him in a dynasty league, I hold him because I don't know if he can get much value back in that trade. If I'm trading for him, the worry I have there is that the person values him too highly. And while that top 20 potential is real, there's a chance that the knees just completely ruin his career and he never gets to play those 32 minutes or the defensive ability falls away because of the knee problem. Now, in that last year that he played, he averaged 2.3 blocks. So that comes down to 1.7. Still a great number. That drops a ton of his value. A ton. And that is absolutely a concern we have. Can he become a 20% usage guy? He's never been that in the past. So maybe maybe he can't. There are massive concerns. I would not want to draft John Isaac in the top 60 next season. But I absolutely believe that there is probably a greater than 50% chance that he's a top 50 player. And you can try and work that out. You know How, how can you justify both those things, Josh? Is that the risk associated with taking Isaac that high is too high. But I know that if he falls to 80, I'll, I'll swipe him every time. Because he could legitimately be a top 20 player. But I just worry about the two knee injuries he suffered last year. And the ankle problems he's had in the past. He played 27 games as a rookie, 75 games in his second year, and 34 the year after. Now, that's not a lot of games that he's played. It's a real, real concern for Johnny Isaac. Um, Mick Zero Man, why can't Mo Bummer play around 30 minutes a night? Not good enough. Simple as that. Well, actually, not as simple as that because he did have COVID, and that obviously... Um, obviously created a problem for him. There's no no denying that, that that impacted him, but he was also shit before COVID and shit after COVID. So why can't he play 30 minutes? He's not good enough defensively and the shooting's not good enough to justify those minutes at this point. On Twitter, some questions. Um, sad Raptors fan, is it safe to draft any magic play when they're clearly rebuilding and will probably tank next year? That That is the concern as well, is that you have to view all of these guys, Fultz, Isaac as injury risks, shutdown risks because of injury, tanking risks. Same goes with um, you got even guys like Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, Chumura Kiki. They were limited at the end of the year. It is going to be a massive, massive risk. But say they get pick one and they draft Cade Cunningham and then they get pick eight from the Bulls and they're able to get a Kaminga. I'm not sure that that's, that they tank from there. They've got those guys, and that might be enough to make them good straight away. So depending on what happens in that draft, I, I would like to you know, revisit that question then. Um, a lot of questions on Bumber and RJ Hampton here. Let's have a look. Um, just going through to find the... There's a lot, cause a lot of repeat questions here. Do you think Cole Anthony will make a second-year jump in production? The worry I have there is what the minutes look like. I think his shooting will definitely improve. There's, I have no doubt about that. And I think he'll probably play some more minutes. But he was forced into a role that he wasn't ready for. Played well. But under normal circumstances, he wouldn't have done what he did this year. So is there a chance that he sort of stagnates? Maybe. Just in terms of overall raw raw numbers. I think I think that's a legitimate, um, a legitimate chance that he sort of stagnates at that area. All right. Very intriguing team, the Orlando Magic. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Odyssey. YouTube, thumbs up, comments, 
down below. Drop them all in there. We love it. Um, tomorrow, we'll be doing an Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, which if you thought the questions on the Magic were unanswerable, wait till we get to the Thunder. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.